You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. Welcome back to The Way Home Podcast, everyone. This is Dan Darling. I'm glad to be back with you this week. Before we get to our conversation, I just want to tell you about a really cool resource that we have for free that you can download from my website at danieldarling.com. It's a free downloadable guide called How to Read the News. I don't know about you, but for me, it seems like there's news streaming in to our lives from everywhere on our timelines, what people are sharing on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and every social media thing, talk radio, podcasts, magazines, newspapers, if people still read newspapers. It's just coming in from everywhere, alerts on our phone. How do we read the news as Christians? How do we process the news? How do we make sure we're getting true information? How do we make sure that we're not just reading stuff that confirms our biases, right? I'm a conservative politically. My tendency is going to be to read things that only make and confirm that people who I agree with are good and right people and everyone else is wrong. You may be on the other side of the spectrum. So how do we read and also how do we read from a biblical worldview? Well, if you're interested in this, you can go to my website. You can download it for free. It's called How to Read the News. Give me your email. You can sign up for my bi-weekly newsletter called One Little Word, and we'll send you this a wonderful resource for free. So go to danieldarling.com and download How to Read the News. Okay, let's join our conversation. Well, I want to welcome you to the Way Home Podcast again, my friends. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Uh, if you enjoy the Way Home, I want to encourage you to rate and review on iTunes. Uh, I also want to let you know about uh, my new book that's coming out uh, this month. It's called The Characters of Easter. And uh, you can find out more information about that at danieldarling.com slash Easter, where we have all kinds of free downloads to do this book in your church or in your group. Today, I have a guest that I know you're going to enjoy. Uh, My really good friend, Jackie Midler, has a powerful pro-life story, and not maybe not the one that you might imagine. Jackie shares her experience with me of having not one, but two abortions uh, when she was younger, and the the guilt and the shame uh, that she had as a result of that, and how God has forgiven her and given her grace and freedom but has also made her a very outspoken pro-life advocate. As you know, this is the week that traditionally would be the March for Life, which is the annual march that has been going on really since the Roe versus Wade decision that legalized abortion. And I typically am there in Washington, D.C. marching, but this year because of COVID and some other circumstances, the March for Life is virtual, really support what they're doing, and it's just a, a really important thing. I think it's important for Christians, regardless of where you are in the political spectrum, to see the humanity of the uh, of the unborn. Psalm 139 reminds us that every human being is crafted by God with care in the womb of the mother. Uh, Genesis 1 reminds us that every human being is made in the image of God. And so we should stand up for the, these most vulnerable of our neighbors. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Jackie Midler. Jackie talks a lot about her experience during that time, what young women in crisis are thinking, and how the church can really play a part in helping young women make these difficult decisions. Her book is called White Stick. It's a fantastic book. I had the opportunity to endorse it. We're going to have links here in the show notes. 
So please do go get this if you run a crisis pregnancy center, if you have a pro-life ministry or your church. If you have somebody that might be contemplating uh, abortion or somebody who is mixed up on the issue, really go get this book called White Stick by my friend Jackie Midler. Let's join this conversation now. Well, glad to have a dear friend here on the Way Home Podcast, uh, Jackie Midler. Jackie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dan. I look forward to talking with you. It is so weird to have you on because we are like friends, friends. You know, like I interview a lot of people who are, some of them are really good friends, but you know, it's just a range of people, authors and speak, but like our families are like really close. So it's I know of, it's so it's crazy how God does that. It's so crazy yeah. how God does that. It's so funny. I'm, I'm uh, having you on to talk about your story and your very good book. It's called White Stick. Uh, it's about your journey as a uh, post, I would say, post-abortive woman and uh, having walked through kind of that journey in your life. I had a privilege of endorsing it. And you've been speaking a little bit about kind of your story. but So maybe share a little bit about why you wanted to kind of come forward with a very painful stories and things in your life and like why why at this moment did you want to share kind of your your abortion journey and kind of how god has given you healing but also made you kind of a outspoken pro-life activist Mm -hmm. yeah thanks dan you know it's kind of a crazy story um I never thought I would be in this place sharing about it. I always felt like it wasn't my place to share my story because of the choices that I had made. Um, But I was in a concert um, for this indie uh, artist that I had gone to um, when I was in college. And I didn't know at the time that it was a pro-choice kind of rally. Like she had this video come on prior to her coming on to sing. And it was like all of these people that were really for abortion. And I mean, this one lady, this comedian was like saying she had 11 abortions and it's just another form of birth control. And I remember it being kind of like horrified by it because my abortions they wrecked me, you know, they wrecked my soul. They wrecked who I was as a person. They influenced every aspect of my life for a very long time, even up till now, you know, and, and I, I was like kind of almost like a deer in headlights where I felt like, Oh my gosh. And, um, and then at the end of this, the indie artist came on and she was like, we're not going to let them take away our rights. And like 400 women stood up and were like, yeah, you know, this huge rally cry. And I remember me and my girlfriend, we're both Christians. We were sitting down, but I remember thinking, oh my gosh, they don't know. They don't know what abortion does to your soul. Like, I wonder how many people have actually had abortions here. And I think that's, that's where I, I looked up at God in that moment and said, I'll be your voice. Yeah. That's, I mean, it it is a, it's a big step to come forward and talk about your past and choices you made, you know, and things that you rather keep quiet or whatever. So it had to be hard to kind of think through, okay, I'm not, I'm actually going to come forward with this. Like it probably took a few years to get to that point. It did. It's funny. You know what? I think there's a lesson in that from God anyways. It's like, you, you know, in that moment, I'm like, I'll do it. I'll be your voice, you know? And mm-hmm. then it, it, it did. It took, you know, I went home that night and I, and I started to write 
And it took, it took like three years and it took a lot of different experiences and it took a lot of realizations for God to bring me to a place where I felt like I, I could talk about it and talk about it in a way where people would, hearts would be able to be moved by it. So I want to talk a little about your story. You grew up in a somewhat Christian home, right? You know, went off to college and got into some relationships and then like to the place where you found yourself in a kind of crisis pregnancy. Maybe talk about your story in the, in the kind of candid way that you did in, in the book. Sure. So I, my parents, we were military. We moved around a lot. My parents were Catholic. I went to church every Sunday and, um, and, and I, and I enjoyed it, you know, I mean, but I just, I didn't know God. And then as every kind of teenager goes through these different, you know, thought processes and rebellions, um, I definitely didn't want to be told what to do. And I, and I, because I didn't have a firm basis in knowing God, I feel like I then came up with my own theories about who God was and or if there was even a God. And so by the time I went to college, I was very much like my own moral guider. You know, it was it wasn't the Bible. It wasn't like, oh, you know, here's my faith. No, it was Jackie. What does Jackie want to do? What is what's important for Jackie? And so, you know, that being said, and plus with teenage hormones and everything, it's like, you know, everyone wants to be wanted. Like everyone want, needs to be needed. I mean, it can look like, you know, from your kids, it can look your husband, it can look like, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, friendships. I mean, humans, I feel like are created to be in communion with other humans. And so I feel like for me, I, because I didn't have a moral guidepost, the Bible, and because I had kind of really even not even believed in God much anymore, um, when people came into my life and they were doing fun things and I thought, oh, that looks fun. And, you know, and the boy was like, oh, you're my everything. You're amazing. Pretty soon we're having sex. And what was crazy about it is, you know, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. They talked a ton about, you know, that was the AIDS resolution. Like it was a ton about, you know, all, all of your um, protections and stuff. But I, I just didn't do it. Cause I wasn't really supposed to be having sex. And so then, you know, fast forward six months of this relationship with this boy and just, you know, doing drugs, partying, thinking all this stuff is so much fun. I find myself, you know, looking at a pregnancy stick going, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know this could happen. Like it was so almost ridiculous <laughs> because it's like your standard, like it was like, what <laughs> this, what it was like the furthest thing from my mind but yet it was the thing I was most educated on with sex in a way you know it was yeah. so weird yeah and and find yourself in a crisis right like it rocks your world right oh yeah it, it was the most shocking heartbreaking crazy moment of my life like I looked down at that white stick with those two lines and I thought everything's changed and I was angry and I was scared and I didn't know what to do. And I, I knew enough about God and I had been, I mean, you know, it says train your children in the way it go, they go and you won't, they won't depart when they're old. And it's like, my parents had trained me enough about who God was that I knew that it was a life and it was a baby. And, you know, I allowed myself to be convinced that it wasn't. And that's why I ended up for, for a week, I went back and forth with, I'm going to have this baby. It's fine. My whole life will change. And then I, you know, I found a friend that had done, had a portion of the previous year and, and, um, 
you know, I was very early on in the pregnancy and she said, you know, it's just a bunch of cells, you know, the famous argument of it's just a bunch of cells. And I, I held on to that like a life raft instead of like going to God, instead of, you know, listening to my inner soul, I just was like, oh yeah, it's just a bunch of cells. This is not going to hurt anybody, anything. And I can go exactly back to where I was prior to even being pregnant. And, um, and of course that's not what happened. That's kind of the lie. That's the lie. Yeah, and, and let me ask you this, like when you were in that crisis, did you even think that there were other options? Like, were there any other things presented to you? Like you could do this, you could do that. Or was it kind of like presented as like, this is the only viable option? No, you know what? That wasn't what happened for me. I think um, I was, I found out I was pregnant on a Friday and it was a long weekend. And on Tuesday, I went to the, um, the nurse at the um, college, like their minute clinic or whatever, and was like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. And she just gave me a ton of brochures and they were a variety of brochures. There was a brochures on adoption. There was brochures on abortion and there were brochures on, um, on keeping the pregnancy. And I had like, I don't know, five or 10 brochures. Um, so it wasn't that I wasn't educated. I think that I was, I think the thing was that I wasn't supported. Right. So I told my parents and they knew, but they left the choice up to me because I mean, I wasn't going to listen to them anyways. So the only people that I had that were surrounding me were my friend group. And they were like, I don't know what to do until I found someone that did know what to do. And she was like, Hey, do this. This is what I did. And it was like, okay. And I feel like, you know, had I gone to like a pregnancy crisis center, someone who was, I, maybe I would have done that. Maybe I wouldn't have, I don't, I'm not blaming this girl. It was totally my choice, but it was what I wanted to do. I felt like I didn't want this to happen to me and I wanted it to end and be over. Like it never happened. And, um, and I felt like that was the only way for it to do was to have the abortion. Then it would be like, it never happened. No one would know it would never happen. However, like that is a, such a lie because what ended up happening after my first abortion was that my soul broke. I mean, I was, mm. I, I was, I was, I was emotionally never going to come back from it in the way I was a different person from that choice on. And that's what a lot of people won't say. And that's what a lot of, a lot of, you know, but when I've talked, I've talked to hundreds of women that have had abortions throughout my life because I share about it. And, and inevitably in a group, there's always one other person and I'll end up, they'll end up coming to me afterwards or we're talking and they all say the same thing. They all say, I regret it. Some, you know, they just do. I, I haven't met someone that's like, oh, I'm happy and I don't feel anything about it. Now, I know that there are women that, you know, they're 40 years later. Like, I don't know what I would have done. I mean, but they still feel badly about it. They still feel broken about it. They still feel sad about it. It's still a loss. There's a conscience thing that doesn't go away. Yeah. It seems like the myth, Jackie, on both sides of this issue is that women go in and have an abortion and they're cavalier about it. So like, or it's not a big thing. You know, if you read what Planned Parenthood or NARAL or all these pro-abortion groups will say, they kind of minimize it, shout your abortion. It's not a big deal. It's a medical procedure, just a clump of cells, as you were told. It's not a big deal. Take it, get it over with. It's clean and you move on. Uh, But we know that's not true because as you said, you've never talked to anyone that really did not regret it. And the, the kind of guilt and shame that you feel but then I also wonder, those of us who are pro-life or advocate for the unborn, 
I think sometimes we see in our minds that young woman who goes in to have an abortion as like being flippant about it. And when really she's probably pretty anguished and torn up about it. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, I was terrified. Like I was a full scholarship winner in my first year in college. I had worked three years and now it's like, I have a baby in my belly going, this is going to change everything. You're going to be a single mom. You're not going to graduate college. I mean, I was terrified. And yet knowing this is a baby, you know, this is a baby. What am I going to do? I had to cling to that. I had to deny the, the, the reality and say it was a clump of cells so I could go through with it. And, and I feel like that it's not a flippant decision. Even if you, I mean, no matter what happens, it's never a flippant decision. I mean, they will say that. And, and, and perhaps there are women out there that it's a flippant decision for, but I will say the vast majority of us who've had abortions and are abortion survivors, we, it's not, it was never a flippant decision. It just was desperation. It just felt like that was going to be the easier choice, but, but what, but it's kind of like no one told us, and this is why I wrote the book, but no one told us how greatly it would affect us for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I just wonder how, the church, how Christians can minister to people in that moment that we obviously need to try to make good arguments to, to encourage women to keep their baby so that they don't uh, go through with an abortion. But once, once women have had an abortion, there is a important ministry of post-abortive care to, to find like, maybe, maybe you could talk about how you finally found freedom and forgiveness in Christ. Yeah. And, and I will say, so I became a Christian. So I didn't just have one abortion. A year later, I found myself in the exact same situation, even though I had protection at this point. And I made the choice to abort again. And this time I knew exactly what I was doing, but I was so dead from my first one that it didn't even matter. Like I was, I was in a dark, dark, horrible place. And it wasn't until I graduated college that um, God called my name. And I was like, okay. And I studied the Bible and I, I made the commitment to God and I completely changed my life around. And I knew he forgave me, but I did not forgive myself. And so I tucked those two little babies in like a deep part in my heart and just kind of shut a lid. And they would just kind of rear up here and there, you know, the, the shame, the guilt, you know, you'd be in a conversation with a group of people. Someone would say something about abortion and you want to you know, hide behind the bush. You want to quiet your mouth. Someone would say, you know, Christians, anyone, they, everyone has very strong opinions about abortion. And so when you're in a situation where you're feeling shame and guilt and feeling badly about your abortion, and then people have these strong opinions around you and you feel silenced or you feel like, I don't, you feel judged. I mean, I know Christians who, who, who completely will judge women who have had abortions who are Christians. I mean, the God of the universe is forgiving us, but we're having problems in the churches to forgive people. That's, that's not okay. You know, and I feel like the work that I had to do was I had to read through the scriptures and I had to understand that the God of the universe forgave me and did not hold it against me. And then I had to realize what I had done. Like I had to own what I had done. I had to realize I was a murderer. I had to define that for myself. I had to say, yes, I murdered two babies. It's terrible. Mm. It's terrible to say that about yourself, you know, but that's the Mm. truth. And so once I looked 
myself in the mirror and wasn't like hiding from what I did and owned what I did as hard and as painful as it was, I was able to then start healing, which was I was able to start deciding to take steps to feed myself the living word of God through, you know, his hope, his trust. I read other people in the Bible. I mean, David's a great example. There's, I mean, most of the prophets of old and the kings of old did a lot of bad stuff and God still used them and they were still valued and they still have, you know, the next life. We're lucky we have such a gracious God, right? Mm, we and are. So- to work through that and how God has healed you. And there's a lot of women out there. My sense is that, you know, when we preach on this in our churches and we should, we have to understand there's probably a lot of women in our congregations that have had abortions, but have never told anybody or kind of keeping the silent secret, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is, you know, what's crazy is that I have actually had people say to me, I've never told anyone. My husband doesn't even know. My wife doesn't know. Cause I've had men say that they've had abortions in college with, you know, but they have never told their wives. And it's like, it's crazy to me how much, shame and guilt in and in, in the church there can be like people are afraid to say this and and honestly it it, it needs to be talked about because people need to be healed and the only yeah. way to healing is to 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 grieve it and to talk about it and to walk with people with it to work through it before we continue our conversation, I want to just encourage you to uh, check out our friends at Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling has generously sponsored this episode of the Way Home Podcast. And one of the reasons I was excited to partner with them is because I believe so much in the value of good biblical counseling. In the last few years, I've really noticed the importance of counseling, both as a pastor who has to care for people at times, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. There's just times when all of us need to sit down and talk with someone who is skilled at kind of peeling back through the layers of our lives, both the spiritual and the physical and the places where we need clinical diagnosis and we need a a, a biblical word from God. And sometimes those are, are kind of marbled in together in complex ways that we can't totally understand that someone outside of us can help us do that. I believe this is a really important thing. A lot of times we're afraid to go to counseling. There's a stigma that I don't want to be known as the kind of person who would need to get help. And really, we, sh- we shouldn't think that way because all of us uh, are fallen, are broken, have needs that someone else that God uh, gifts in a certain way can help with. What's great about the model of faithful counseling is that it's completely confidential and it's completely online. And so if if you're like me and the kind of the stigma of getting up and going and talking to someone is, is a little bit too much of getting in your car and going to an office or a church, you can do this from the privacy of your home. You fill out a an intake process and they match you up with a counselor that's suited to your needs and if you happen to get a counselor that is just not working for you you can easily exchange them at no cost you have access to your counselor through text through email and other ways if you have a crisis in between sessions so i want to encourage you to visit faithfulcounseling.com way home 
That's faithfulcounseling.com slash way home. And you will get a 10% discount off your first month's membership, which is, which is a really fantastic deal. So visit faithfulcounseling.com slash way home and get a 10% discount off your first membership. I really want to encourage you, uh, if you are listening, feel depressed, you have anxiety, or maybe you have some thorny relational issues in your family or at work or other places to go seek some help with our friends at faithfulcounseling.com slash way home. I do think too, Jackie, it makes me think when we do preach on the sanctity of life, we also have to not forget the restoration and healing and forgiveness part. We need to be unflinching and say, you know, the unborn is human and we are working for, for a day when they'll be recognized by law and we won't have this abortion industry, which we oppose. But also we really have to really ground that in the, in the knowledge of, of the good news of the gospel that the gospel is for those who have who've made that choice. And all of us have made choices against God that violate him, whether you've had an abortion, whether you've had other sins, secret sins. Because otherwise, I think if we, if we just do one, not the other, we don't want to push women further into their shame. We want to help them be released into freedom of the gospel, right? What was it for you that, that helped you find that? You know, I, I really think that God put me in situations because I'm a very open person. Obviously I, I like to, t- I talk to anyone. I like to talk to people and I sh- am an oversharer, which is terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to work on that. I sometimes overshare too much. And, and I feel like, you know, God brought me into situations where I had to face that I had to face my abortion. I had to face, and it, and it was starting to, to kind of get crowded in there. Like, how could I talk about God's grace and love? and his mercy and his light, if I wasn't willing to accept that for my own sin. Right. And so I feel like, you know, I, it, it was through little baby steps, but there are a ton of programs out there. There are a ton of women who are dedicating themselves to abortion recovery. There's a ton of um, SOAR programs and, and um, you know, redemption programs and, and speakers that, that women can go to and, and hear other women and, and be supported. And, and some of that stuff looks like, like, you know, I'm, um, I work with, I'm a stillbirth doula. And so, you know, I named my babies and I, and I, I did a heart release for them and I, I, I grieved them, you know, I put them, I, I, I acknowledged that they were obviously human babies and I, I made them a part of, of, of me, you know, and, and I think all of that helps, but I think the the biggest help is the word of God. And that is really hearing his promises. And I did that in the back of the book. Like I, I put out a lot of the scriptures that helped me um, just really feel like I'm loved. I'm worthy. I'm, I'm, there's grace for me. Um, and then I think just talking about it, you know, finding other women that have gone through a similar situation and just being willing to go there and talk about it and say, Hey, this is, you know, this is what's happening. This is how I'm yeah. feeling. Yeah, that's really good. And I'm I'm so glad you shared your story. People need to get this book. It's called White Stick, Jackie Midler's story of her life recovering 
from having two abortions and how she found grace and forgiveness. And also I think a lot of wisdom for how we can talk about this issue. So I'm curious, like if you have advice for, what would you say? I guess I want to ask you a few questions. What would you say to a young woman in crisis who's trying to contemplate what she should do? What would you say to her? Yeah, absolutely. So this is what I, I actually volunteer on Fridays and I go to, I'm in a pregnancy choice center and we min, we mentor to all kinds of women, um, women who already had kids, women, you know, and so as far as a young woman that is in a crisis pregnancy and wondering what should I do, you have to realize there's a couple of things that I realized after becoming a mom later in my life. Um, one is that when you see your baby for the first time, even if that's on a heartbeat monitor or whatever, there's a connection that you have with that child, with that soul as, as its mother. And I think that your life may look different. So your dreams, you know, yeah, if I had had those babies, maybe I wouldn't have been able to go to college at that moment. Maybe I would have had a step back, but that doesn't mean my life was over, right? It just would have looked like a different life. And that's, I think that's the lie that we, we as Americans even feel like, oh, we, our life has to look a certain way. But when you make choices to have premarital sex, there's consequences. And the consequences of those choices is life, is, is a baby. And if that looks like, hey, now my whole life looks different. Well, maybe you should think first, not having sex, right? Start, start at the beginning of, of the equation, not at the end, trying to mm-hmm. change the outcome of an equation that you're doing. And I feel like that's one thing that I talk a lot about with, with, um, with young people is that, hey, if you don't want that outcome, don't do the beginning part, you know? And right. I, think, I think for a woman that's in a crisis pregnancy, it's like they need to see hope. Like that's what I needed. I needed someone to say, this isn't going to ruin your life. We can get you through this. We can help you. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to do okay. Like it's going to work out. It's not going to be easy, but what in life is easy? What, what, I mean, look at us. We're adults. We're in our forties, right? It's like, what in life is really easy? I mean, going to church in the morning is hard work with the kids. You know, you're like, Oh my gosh. Right. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, like, that's what you have to ask yourself. What in life is easy. But the other thing that I think is a really key thing is that, how do you know that that baby inside your belly isn't going to do something incredible for mankind? I mean, everyone has a purpose and a plan. God sends everyone down here with a purpose and a plan. How do you know that by killing that soul, that purpose and plan won't, won't come to be? And so you, you really have to think about, you know, it, it's a life, you know, it's, it's no less important than than a 15-year-old kid or a 40-year-old person or an 80-year-old person or a baby. It's no less important. And they have a purpose and plan that's deemed by God. And so we have to really to really think about that. But I do think giving them hope, letting them, supporting them, let them know, like, you can do this. And I feel like if I had had someone like that, I may have changed differently. I don't know. And that could have just not not been true. I could have maybe still been led by fear. I mean, you know, I'm not but I do feel like if we can give them hope and there's other options. I mean, I know a woman, she, she gave her baby up for adoption and this, this little girl has an amazing life, right? She's an amazing life. So let me ask you this. What word would you give to someone? And you said that people come up to you all the time and 
tell you, yeah, I had an abortion. I had an abortion. Thanks for sharing your story. I feel guilt and shame about it. What would you say to, to women who have had those abortions and feel tremendous guilt and shame? I would, I would, I would just speak the words of God. Like I would say, you know, it, it is, it is a hard choice that what you made and it is, it is a challenging, it is heartbreaking. And I get the shame and guilt and I, I feel like I can communicate with them in a certain way to be able to help them to see that there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but you just have to do the work of it. It's kind of like with anything with grief, like you kind of have to walk the path. And so I would tell them there's hope in Christ. So if they're not a Christian and, and they don't know God, that's really challenging because I don't know how you get through shame and guilt without God. But if they do, I would say their first thing they need to do is, is, is go after a relationship with God. And then the second thing I would say that they should do is that they need to start reading the words of God, where he talks about how special we are, how important we are, how much we matter. And then they need to start, like they need to acknowledge what they've done, acknowledge how they feel and then forgive themselves then, and then make the choice to say, okay, but I'm not defined by that. That's not who I am. That's just what I did, but that's not who I am. That's what helped me. Yeah, I think so. I guess the last question would be, what would you say to Christians? How can we do better at reaching the women in crisis in our communities and reaching those who are post-abortive like yourself? What advice would you give? Well, you know, I mean, Honestly, and I don't want to like make people feel guilty who are listening in. So, you know, please don't. But I, I feel like women who have had abortions who are Christians should talk about it. Not like in a big stage like me and like this, but they should in in communicating and making friendships and talking with people and and in 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 groups, you know, sharing their story can really help open up the door for other people to be open with them. And that's what I found. You know, I have found a lot of women, you know, prior to writing this book and it coming out in May, like I, I have had hundreds of women I know talk to me about abortion because I've talked about it first. You know, I've been willing to say, Hey, this is a part of my story. And then they feel like they can say, well, this is a part of my story. And if they don't know God, that's where you can then infuse them with God's light and love and scripture and, and, and they know it's coming from a, not a place of judgment because you did the same thing, you know? So I think Christian women who have had abortions can really speak to non-Christian women who have had abortions and they can really speak to the whole community because we've walked it. And some people may not be ready and that's okay. I mean, it's just, you have to do what God's calling you to do. But I, I honestly believe that that's, that's what will, that's the best people to talk to people who are, you know, non-Christian abortion. Yeah, that's, that's a really good word. Well, Jackie, thank you for telling your story. And I think really hope people get this book, White Stick. I think you're very candid. I think a lot of people will read it and have compassion for people who have been through what you've endured. I think it'll also make people more pro-life, you know, uh, in the best way. But also, I, I think it will give us a lot of tools and help to reach out. How do we reach out to women in crisis and how do we help apply the gospel to uh, people who have got this in their past? Yeah, absolutely. So, thanks for joining me, Jackie. I appreciate it. 
Thanks, Dan, so much. Thanks for allowing me to be on. I really, I enjoyed the conversation and I hope that it helps these women. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at dandarling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash danielmdarling. I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book, Away With Words, and you can visit awaywithwordsbook.com. Thank you for listening again to The Way Home Podcast. This is a production of the National Religious Broadcasters. Thank you.